CFL fans, are you ready? Because it's time for the Canadian Football Countdown on Mike FM Winnipeg. Canadian Football Countdown starts now. Welcome everyone to the Canadian Football Countdown. My name is Mike Rodell, flying solo again this week, recapping week 17 and previewing week 18. But before we do that, just a reminder of the Canadian Football Countdown and the proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Check out this and all the other great Canadian Football League podcasts online at cfpodnetwork.ca or at CF Pod Network on Twitter. What a crazy week, week 17 was. And it started with, you just it, a crazy game between the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, the Bombers winning 40-32. This occurred. Uh, the Bombers led 10-8 after one. As we had a fairly comfortable lead at halftime, I might add. Uh, let's get to the scoring summary first. Justin Medlock kicked a 38-yard field goal at 8.07. And then Ottawa came back with a very quick touchdown at 6.42. William Powell from Tre- uh, William Powell's 8-yard touchdown pass from Trevor Harris. And it was a 2-point convert for Ottawa as they went up 8-3. The Bombers would then quit on their ensuing drive. Would reply with a touchdown. Darvin Adams, 11 yards. Matt Nichols and the Bombers would get a point after to give the Bombers a 10-8 lead after the quarter. Louis Ward would be a historic night for him, and we'll touch on that in a little bit. Louis Ward, 27-yard field goal, uh, 12-44 to make it uh, 11-10 for Ottawa. The Bombers would make it 13-11 on a Justin Medlock field goal at 845. Bombers would stretch the lead to 16 to 11 on a 44-yard Medlock field goal at 403, and then the 19-11 Winnipeg lead at half would be by virtue of a 32-yard field goal from Justin Medlock. Bombers would get another field goal from Medlock, so they would get four straight field goals early in the third quarter. 8-17 Medlock to 12-yard field goal. Uh, Louis Ward would get two field goals. And put in the one that broke the record later in the third quarter, as it was uh, 42 yards his first one. Then he breaks the record near the end of the quarter with a 40-yard field goal, and the Bombers and the Red Blots would continue to exchange scores in the fourth quarter. Weston Dressler would catch a 12-yard touchdown pass from Matt Nichols. Convert was dead. Justin Medlock would make one of his many field goals on the day. This one from 27 yards, and it looked like the Bombers had the game in hand. Then all of a sudden there was a comeback, and it was a very, very interesting 15-point deficit, which the Bombers led going into the final four minutes. Then Ju- Julian Fiola, the DNO, the former Blue Bomber, 33-yard touchdown pass from Trevor Harris. They would meet the converts, and that would bring the game to within eight. Wouldn't you know what the... Red Blots would get the ball back, and that would be the Greg Ellington sits-there touchdown pass from Trevor Harris. And Ellington, of course, when the man is hot, the man is hot, so you just keep throwing to him until he tells you that he can't catch the ball. And he would make the two-point convert to tie the game up at 42. So we are through 
32-32 at the end of overtime. I may have said 42, but my apologies. Uh, man, what would happen would be a the Bombers would get the ball, and they would just continue the momentum when it felt like all had been lost in Winnipeg. Uh, the Bombers do put a timely drive together, tapped off by Weston Dressler. Dressler, 12-yard touchdown pass from Matt Nichols. So, and you have to go for two in overtime, so the Bombers did. And Darvin Adams would complete the convert to uh, 42-32. Now, Ottawa driving down to try to tie it. They would unfortunately fumble. Santos knots. Big Hill. I, I can't remember uh, who came up with the football. But right near the goal line, the Blue Bombers came up with the ball to preserve the victory, of course, because they had already had the ball and they had the lead. Defensive for end of the game. By the way, just a retroaction over time. If the defense ever scores in overtime, the game is done automatically. So a pit sets fumble. Kind of like the game on Thanksgiving a couple years ago. I, I can't remember exactly what year it was, but the Bombers made a comeback. And they won an overtime. A pit sits against. Uh, this was long before uh, Jonathan Jack was the quarterback. I think they rallied off of Travis in his first couple years. We'll talk more about Travis now later. Anyway, Matt Nichols, very effective night for sure, especially of late. Uh, 27 of 36 for 265, three touchdowns, and then no interceptions, which will be good news for Winnipeg Blue Bomber fans. Uh, Trevor Harris, 33 of 45 for 349. So. Again, outgained uh, Matt Nichols, but again, when you look, we'll look at the difference that was maybe made up in the running game. So anyway, Trevor Harris, 33 of 45 for 349, three touchdowns. Andrew Harris, 20 rushes, 132 yards for a 6.6 yard average. Uh, no touchdowns in the game. William Powell, 14.95. Both running backs really, 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 really good. When it comes to the yardage after uh, yardage after contact, average yards. Uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers were led by Weston Dressler in the receiving core. Five catch, 61 to 12.2 touchdown. Julian Field, Forrest, 83 uh, Dressler's yards. Joey DeDino's catches came late in the game, but he averaged 28. And here are the jaw-dropping stats, which basically tilt this game, everything but the score, in the Blue Bombers' favor. First downs, 33 to 24 for Winnipeg. Ottawa had a very interesting third down official five, but that's besides the, I mean, when you go for it on third and short and a lot and a couple third downs, but they have to get on those drives, you know, they, or the game tie and drive, they have to get a lot of first down. Um, very, very quickly as well, rushing yards favored Winnipeg, 191 total, no sits, uh, passing yards, 245. This is the only battle really that the Blue Bombers lost. Other than the total yardage, which is unbelievable, actual passing yards, 331 to 245 in favor of Ottawa. Total yards, 437 to 436 in favor of Ottawa. Blue Bombers had four sacks to Ottawa's three. Blue Bombers only punted the ball three times, had six penalties for yards. Ottawa had 12 penalties for 174, and they were also aided by where the Bombers won a uh, penalty field drive the touchdown. Also, the time of possession heavily favored the Blue Bombers, 33-30. All in all, pretty good night for the Blue Bombers. It comes, yeah, they, they just played really, really well in a game, but I think statement they did. Ottawa, you know, they, I, I don't want to use this reference uh, for Ottawa, but they're kind of like a box of chocolates. You don't know what your grade is. And I hate to pin this on Trevor Harris. It's not, but quite frankly, there's a... Uh, not a stigma, but there's a, it's not even a label to be compl- When Trevor Harris is on and balling, see the game in Winnipeg, they're very tough to be. Trevor Harris is average and have 
Very little of a running game. That's when Ottawa tends to run into trouble. So we'll see what happens this week. Uh, both teams are playing West Division opponents. It is Edmonton in Edmonton for Ottawa. It's here at home. Blue Bombers. I'm going to spend a little bit more time uh, recapping the games coming up. There's a couple of big ones. So we'll move on. Our next game that would be setting. It featured the Toronto Argonauts almost coming back to the very end. The Lions. If you're a Bomber. Sits to three. We'll recap. Here we are. Jumped out to an eight nothing lead after this quarter. Corey Watson the fourteen Jennings point after miss. I made that up. You see, we made it eleven nothing on a forty-three field goal by Ty Long. Toronto would get a field goal back. Would be Zach Medeiros from seven and run out of twenty-five thirty-eight. And Levi Noel would catch a five-yard touchdown. Club Bethel Thompson by Zach Mitch at four six. And BC would add two field goals just half. Tylon earned his uh, Tylon that was later on. He made two uh, late half at once. He would make from 50. Actually, Tylon's four straight. He made from 50, 50, 15, and 33. He tried to get with a couple inside the tree and he finished it over. Duran Carter, 20 touchdown catch from James Franklin. It was Miles White a five yard pass from James? He missed up. It was 13 and a half to cut a sink deficit. Score was. He said, it's James Franklin coming in. In relief, 9 of 14 for Jonathan Jennings, uh, 14. Brandon Burt showed some explosiveness to the Ardos. They might have some running with a running back. 8 carries for 92 yards, 11 and a half. Jeremiah Johnson, 19 for 108. Oddly enough, Johnson is feeling some now because it looks like Charles Sutton will for this. I, I just find it very bad. Uh, Duran Carter was the Ardos leading. I don't know. I've been very, very quiet. But anyway, Corey Watt for Blue Bomber. First downs favored Toronto having 202 yards, right? 7, out pass 178, total yardage 395 to 65, sats at 8 pen for 88, and favored, uh, favored was fairly even to be 37, and unfortunately we didn't get to stop those cases with the deficit, too much of a deficit, maybe a final medals for Arden on great contention or not, we'll recap third game of the week, we finished on Monday, there's other than the fact that Montreal played very well for play and not able, there's no no scoring in this quarter. Montreal would score the only point board, and they all came oddly enough last inside the 243. Boris Speedy, 44 field goal, and a 41 sits in the lead at two at halftime. No scoring in the third quarter, believe this, or sits Montreal headed to the quarter. And then Calgary gets one drive going just like you knew they kind of would. Montreal allowing them 301. But Good for Calgary. Terry Williams field goal uh, point after and made the field goal at 837. Uh, actually, field goal parity so it's kind of left for them bad. And Rob Nate sits. Bowley by three pits. So Bowley by Mitchell winning the game. Johnny Manzo, 850. No touchdowns and one interception. Don Johnson, 13. Carries for 51 yards for a 3.9 yard average. Williams stand back. I thought had a really good game uh, despite not getting a lot of help. 12 carries for 67 yards. A 5.60 average. Jawan Brustis in the leading receiver for Calgary at six catches for uh, 78 yards. Adarius Bowman, the former Blue Bomber, the leading uh, receiver for Montreal at 5 for 58 and 11.8 yard average. First downs favored Calgary 20 to 16. Rushing yards also favored Calgary 107.87. Passing yards in favor of Montreal by a 194 to 183. Total yards again uh, favoring Calgary 290 to 281. Uh, Calgary has six sats for 56 yards. Montreal 
three sacks for 16. And the big thing is Calgary threw three interceptions to Montreal's one. Penalties, seven for 65 for Calgary. Uh, 13 for 145 for Montreal. So that was a little bit of a tailor. Uh, Calgary lost no fumble despite fumbling the ball three times. Montreal lost their only fumble. Time of possession favored Calgary by about five minutes, 32-25 to 27-35. So that's kind of very interesting. And the story in that game was that uh, Calgary kind of got it together in the fourth quarter when it looked like they would get shut out. And, you know, it's one of those things where I don't think Montreal did enough to expand the deficit. They left Calgary in the game, and it was only one possession uh, early in the fourth quarter, and they got the one touchdown to basically overcome the two field goals. And then basically in scramble mode uh, right, right from the start, uh, from that point forward. And Johnny Manzo had one drive. I think he got to midfield somewhere around there uh, late in the game, and it just was not meant to be as... You know, Montreal, like we saw, they had uh, problems uh, on that offensive line. Uh, Again, it manifested itself. We'll talk about uh, CFL trade deadline later in the show as that passed. But, you know, it's just an interesting thing. I don't think Montreal has enough talent around Johnny Manziel. I think Manziel could be a good quarterback. I think if you put him on any, any other team, like a team that has you know, more talent than Montreal does. And this is no disrespect. I think if you put him on the Bombers, if you put him on Calgary, if you put him on Hamilton, you know, a team that has fairly established offensive line, I think he's got success. But now you have to kind of cater your team to the ability of your starting quarterback. Like, we we see glimpses of what makes Johnny Manziel so successful. Now you have to kind of build around your starter. And our final game to recap for Thanksgiving was the 7-7. Seven and seven. Edmonton Eskimos visiting the 9-5 and five Saskatchewan Rough Riders. The Riders win the game 19-12 on a last-minute interception return by Willie Jefferson. And we'll get into the details of that. Brett Lauder also added a lead field goal. And we'll talk about the Hail Mary that was not to be. Saskatchewan opened the scoring. Both teams actually exchanging field goals. Before the Eskimos got one late and a half to go up by three. But it started with Brett Lauder's 23-yard field goal to make it 3 enough in Saskatchewan at 8.09. Sean White added a 32-yard field goal to tie the game at 3 at 5.31. 3-3 after one quarter. In the second quarter, Sean White nailed an 18-yard field goal at 14.27. Brett Lauder countered inside the three-minute warning to tie the game at six, Brett Lauder's 39-yard field goal with 107 to one and a half. Sean White put the Eskimos up with a 42-yard field goal, and that would be where the game would be. Early in the third quarter, Brett Lauder would tie the game at nine uh, with a 43-yard field goal at 12:09. Sean White would put the Eskimos up 12 to nine with 7:40 left, and that basically was very reminiscent of the game. It was a defensive struggle until Mike Riley and the Eskimos tried to run out the clock. Unfortunately, we put the ball in the air at 137. Willie Jefferson, who else? Other than Willie Jefferson and Charlton Hughes and all those guys combined for a 49-yard pit sits return to Willie Jefferson. Lauder made the point after to put the Riders 
up by four. And what was so ceremonious or unceremonious, if you will, was the Willie Jefferson celebration to run timeout eerily reminiscent of what happened during the Banjo Bowl during one of the interceptions that Matt Nichols threw. But Lauder would add a late field goal with nine seconds left to make the score 19 to 12. And then it was Mike Riley from deep in Eskimo territory, bombing one, deflecting off a couple hands, going into the hands of Bryant Mitchell, who I believe was stopped at about the 12, 15 to 12 yard line, somewhere short of the end zone, and just a little bit further, and it would have been a unbelievable Hail Mary to tie the game, but it was not to be, and the Riders find a way to escape with a 19 to 12 victory. Interestingly enough, there was only one touchdown in the whole game, and that was that pitch sits. There was no offensive touchdown either way. In fact, Mike Riley threw three interceptions, despite one 13 of 27 for 222. And that was kind of an average day for Riley. Um, kind of the way it's been of late for the Eskimos. Zach Tolaros followed up one of his better games. He did not throw a touchdown, but he did throw an interception. He went 25 of 38 for 259 and that interception. Tough day for C.J. Gable, but an even tougher day for Trey Mason. Gable had 12 carries for 56 yards, a 4.7-yard average. For Trey Mason, 10 carries, 20 yards for an average of 2. So the Eskimo did a really good job of uh, containing Trey Mason. Leading receivers both ways. This should come as no surprise. Bryant Mitchell, 3 catches. For 93 yards, a lot of that coming on that deep play late in the game. Uh, so I'm sure went 55, maybe 60 yards. I don't know exactly how far that went. Uh, Tenny Shaw with the re <coughs> leading receiver, pardon me, for the Riders at 5 for 70. He, I thought, had a really good game uh, for the Riders in place of uh, Roosevelt. 18 first downs for the Eskimos, 17 for the Riders. 113 rushing yards for the Eskimos to only 32 for the Riders. Riders made most of that bat with 242 passing to the Eskimos, 202. Total yards still oddly enough, even the Eskimos, 315 to 274. The big blow, there were eight combined shots, three interceptions thrown by Mike Riley to one for Zach Polaris. And the punting average also was about a first down difference. Edmonton averaging 44 yards a punt to Saskatchewan's 36. So there was a bit of a swing in field goal position. Eskimos were fairly disciplined on the day. Only five penalties for 55 yards. But however, for the Rough Riders, that's something they'll have to rectify if they plan to beat the Bombers to turn 11. Penalties they were dinged for for 110 yards, and that's the length of a football field. How to put that in perspective. Both teams uh, fumbled the ball once, and that included the Riders losing one fumble. Edmonton was able to recover theirs. Total time of possession, Saskatchewan 33-22 to Edmonton's 26-38. And a lot of that came uh, when the defense was on the field for that extended drive. Where do we go from here? Well, quite frankly, 
The Riders win another one on the back of their defense, and then we've seen that a couple times this year. Uh, the Riders went in 19 to 12 on the back of a pit six and a bunch of lotter field goals uh, for the Eskimos. I mean, where do we go from here? I mean, I don't know if it can get any worse, but I think the good news is their remaining schedule allows them to play teams that are in and around them. Uh, Winnipeg, BC, after the game with Ottawa this week for them. So, again, it's not over for the Eskimos, but I'll tell you what, it's there's no more room for error for them. I may have mistakenly said on Twitter that they were uh, finished for the year, that they looked defeated. And, you know, may, maybe they turned things around here in the last two weeks, but it's very tough to envision. Uh, but, again, you know, you win those games, and there was a team in the Blue Bombers, not to talk about the Blue Bombers, but they looked for dead. uh -huh couple weeks ago and now they've won three in a row so they'll go for a fourth this weekend uh, against the Riders so yeah anything can happen in this game it's a it's a funny game with football and uh, you know it's, it's just if I had one concern about the Eskimos it's just their inconsistency the last two years they started really well they let six and oh seven and oh last year then they lost six in a row in the middle won a lot of games at the end they went one, they're all remaining games after getting out of that losing streak and then ran into the uh, Western Final where they had a chance with Calgary, but it just was not meant to be uh, for the Eskimos. Now, that being said, I, I have to wonder what happens with the Eskimos. I mean, you know, there was all this talk about earlier on in the year, all the penalties and stuff, and Jason Moss said it's on me. Well, now all of a sudden that offensive line can't keep Mike Riley upright, and it's... It's very concerning because that offensive line, I thought, had a pretty good game for the most part. And then all of a sudden in the fourth quarter, it's like when the Riders, it's what the Riders sent an extra man on the blitz and the offensive line couldn't pick them up. All of a sudden, Mike Riley didn't have enough time to throw the football, and that's what led to that uh, interception by Willie Jefferson. So to me, I think a lot of the problems are on that offensive line for the Eskimos. And, you know, to see Mike Riley get hit after every play like Honestly, the CFL is a better place with Mike Riley and all these quarterbacks that are, you know, star quarterbacks and starting quarterbacks on their team. When all the quarterbacks are healthy, the CFL is good for it. But I don't know how many more hits Mike Riley can take. And I know he's been invincible seemingly in the injury department, but you have to wonder if the hits are starting to catch up to him. I'm not saying he's playing hurt, but I just wouldn't want to run that risk of my quarterback getting, you know, an extra couple shots a week. It only takes one, and... Then your season's kind of very uh, bleak. Although they do have Kevin Glenn as a backup who has yet to see a snap this year. I know they took Riley out of the game two weeks ago, but they put Danny O'Brien in to, to finish off. So they do have Kevin Glenn as a backup, but I just don't think you want to give away free shots on uh, Mike Riley uh, every week. So uh, if they can rectify it. The defense, I probably played one of their better games of the year. You know, going head-to-head -head with one of the better defenses of the year, but... Again, it's like the Riders kind of had that one good offensive game against Montreal. But all of a sudden, it's like now they can't score touchdowns again. And I know it's just one game, but, you know, the Riders, to me, haven't been overly offensively impressive uh, the last little while. So I wonder if the Bombers can maybe exploit that uh, this week for sure. We'll look at the standings here quickly. Uh, in the Canadian Football lead, Calgary leads the lead with a shiny... A 12-2 record. I almost told them one win short. 
Uh, they are basically on the verge of clinching first place. It is still mathematically possible for the Rough Riders to catch them, but not likely. And it's also, uh, Calgary does have, I'm just looking at Damon Hand on Saskatchewan, so that might not even matter. Uh, the 10 and 5 Riders, the 8 and 7 Bombers, the 7 and 7 Lions, and the 7 and 8 uh, Edmonton Eskimos round out the East Division. Who knew that basically seven wins will be last place in the West? It's just been that bad this year. Uh, they've just been that good this year as far as West Division uh, opponents. Ottawa leads, but uh, Bombers did Hamilton a big favor, kept Hamilton within a game of the Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, Louis Ward, by the way, did set the field goal record beating Renee Parody, so congratulations to him. And I don't even know, quite frankly, and I, I, I mean this in the most respectful way possible, I don't even think there should be a vote for Rookie of the Year in this CFL. I, I think Louis Ward wins it by a landslide that's not even close. And uh, no disrespect to any rookie that could potentially come out of the uh, East. Although, now you're starting to get into that discussion of how do you not include Lewis Ward not only in Rookie of the Year, but Special Teams Player of the Year. So, it's, it's just very interesting how that works. Uh, and Louis Ward had the one miss uh, early on in the year, and it's been uh, smooth sailing since then. I won't talk about it anymore for Ottawa's sake because they might call me a jinxer the minute that streak ends. Anyway, talking about the standings, Hamilton got some help from the Blue Bombers. They kept Ottawa within the game. Those two have head-to-head games left. And where I was going with Louis Ward was he single-handedly uh, put gave Ottawa the advantage in the head-to-head. Those two have, guys have two left. And then Toronto and Montreal have a lot of head-to-head left to try to figure out who's going to finish last. In the, e- in the East, but all of a sudden now all the matchups become very, very enticing uh, between those two teams because, you know, Toronto didn't give James Franklin the ball again this week, and Montreal has Johnny Manziel, which, you know, quite frankly, is one of the reasons why I watch Montreal at games is just to watch Johnny Manziel. And that's me, maybe because I'm a big college football fan, and I like what uh, Johnny Manziel did at Texas A&M. But basically, I mean, you look at the matchups. I mean, it's all in division after this week pretty much, except for a couple more. I think there's one more game. Uh, I think it's that Ottawa-Edmonton game. That's the last in-division game of the year. So maybe one or two more after that, but I don't think so. In the East, like I said, Ottawa 8-6. and six. Best they can do is 10-6. and six. Uh, yeah, t- actually, yeah, ten and six. Sorry, I'm picking NFL here for a minute. Uh, Hamilton seven and seven, best they can do. Actually, hang on, there's four. There's actually sorry, there's four games left for Ottawa. They could potentially finish if they went out twelve and six. Uh, Hamilton, if they went out, it's not possible for one of those two to win out because they have head-to-head games. But eleven and seven will be the maximum uh, for Hamilton. At this point, they have two names left with Ottawa, though. So they, one of those two teams will not win out. Basically, we look at it like this. Ottawa, Hamilton have home playoff games clinched. Toronto and Montreal are in 2019 uh, category. They will not make the playoffs. They'll look to play the role of spoiler. Calgary has a home playoff game uh, clinched at minimum. 
and are on the verge of clinching first, have not done so, can do so this week with a, I'm told, Rough Rider loss to the Blue Bombers and a Calgary uh, victory over BC. Saskatchewan can punch a home playoff game if they beat Winnipeg. And something else happens. I don't have it in front of me, but two things need to happen uh, for them to get home, home playoff game. So basically, it looks like this. Ottawa and Hamilton will host the, one of those two teams will host the Eastern uh, semifinal, which right now would be uh, Hamilton. And the winner of the Eastern uh, semifinal between the, I'm going to wind up confusing people, but I have to do this anyway. And that's going to be this. Hamilton and Ottawa have first and second wrapped up in the East, the only Eastern playoff spots. Whoever does not finish first will host the Western crossover team, whichever team finishes fourth, which is anywhere right now from Winnipeg, BC, or Edmonton. I do not think that it is possible anymore for Saskatchewan to cross over, although things would have to really go badly for them for that to happen. I just don't see it happening. So you have Winnipeg, BC, and Edmonton fighting for a crossover spot. One of them will finish third and supposedly go to Regina. Yeah, will go to Regina. It's not formal yet, but I think that's going to happen for the Western semifinal. While the fifth-place team, despite having a very good record, will not make the playoffs. And that's going to lead to a whole discussion on why the heck could potentially that Western team have a better record potentially than the second-place team, although they could still be tied, but you, know, you just never know what's going to happen anymore. Um so it could be that the fifth place team in the West has a better record than Hamilton. It's not looking like it right now. It's seven and seven Hamilton that's second place and the Eskimos are seven and eight. So yeah, about a half a game difference. Wouldn't that be something if you open up the can of worms? But that's not what we're what we're here to do. So let's look ahead to this week coming up quickly. I'm gonna give you my tease of the game. And I'll set my players of the week for you as well. Um, this week coming up, Hamilton, Toronto, Johnny Manziel uh, will take the Alouettes. Actually, Johnny Manziel and the Alouettes have a bye, the final bye of the season. For some reason, I had it in my head that Manziel plays for Hamilton. But it will be Jeremiah Mazzoli against James Franklin, which will be on Friday night, 6.30 Central. Uh, James Franklin gets the keys to the offense again after coming in in relief. No real surprise. And the Hamilton Tiger Cats will look to move into a temporary tie. They win, there'll be a half a game back of Ottawa, pending what happens on Saturday. What I see here in this game is Hamilton just needs to keep doing what they've been doing. They've been playing well the last couple of weeks, maybe better than uh, Ottawa, but we'll wait to see. Toronto, you're just playing for pride. For some reason, you want to break that losing streak, and there's no better way to do it against your arch rivals. I, I'm picking Hamilton in this one, and that will be very interesting game. Be very interesting to see what happens in Toronto after this year with no playoffs. And I'm trying to remember. I, I don't know if somebody could point this out to me on Twitter. Uh, that would be fantastic. You can find me, by the way, at Mike Darrell. When the last time the Grey Cup champion from the year before missed the playoffs the following year. So Toronto was the uh, defending Grey Cup champion. When was the last time a de 
the Grey Cup champion from a year before wound up missing the playoffs the next season. I trying to find that stat all morning here and been trying to figure that out here. Um, Saturday we have a Banjo Bowl rematch in Winnipeg. Winnipeg and Saskatchewan. The Riders take both head to heads against the Blue Bombers. Bombers shot themselves in the foot, or as Ryan said in a text message, kicked themselves in the proverbial brick wall. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, Rough Riders and the Bombers at 1 o'clock Central on Saturday, and it's going to be a very good game for the Rough Riders. Find their offense for the Blue Bombers. Are you rounding into form? Give this team, give this fan base a chance to say that if you go to Regina, you can beat these guys. You want to send a message? This is a potential playoff preview, and the weather is supposed to be awful from what I heard. Uh, for Saturday night, rain and snow mitt, so if you'd want to invest in field, bring some extra layers because the weather is going to be ugly on Saturday, at least from a forecast that I saw uh, not long ago. I'm picking the Bombers to win this game. I really think that they have a little better offense right now than Saskatchewan, uh, but the Ryder defense m might as well have another three pit sits game and Everything I just said doesn't matter. But I just really think that Nichols and the Bombers are running into form. Sounds like Dressler, that was who is hurt in practice this week, will be good to go. I have not heard of anybody that is missing uh, the game this week other than the guys that are on the injured list for the Blue Bombers. Um, Ottawa and S goes into Edmonton, 4 Quad Central. There's a CFL triple header day. So my PVR will be flooded with uh, CFL football for me to get home to uh, when I am finished with my work. Edmonton really needs to find it here. They have a home playoff game, their last Eastern opponent of the year, to try to chance to uh, right the ship. They need to get that offensive line going. They need to use that running game. I, I, I cannot figure out why Mike Riley keeps over and under throwing receivers. Uh, Duke Williams... Bryant Mitchell, all those guys need to have stellar, stellar performances and kind of get this offense, which has been very, very dormant the last couple of weeks, and they need to find a way to right the ship. For Ottawa, keep doing what you've been doing. You started too late against the Blue Bomber team. Uh, you had to rally. The few little mistakes there which cost you. It is Ottawa going to the West, so it's not necessarily, you know, going to be a easy game for Ottawa from the standpoint of time zone and all that stuff. But, uh, no, it is a very interesting development. Uh, I believe that uh, Ottawa will win this game despite having to go west. I just think they're the better team right now. If Ottawa can minimize those mistakes, I think Trevor Harris has a better offensive line than Mike Riley has right now. And I think in this game, a running game is going to be very important. And I'll say this, I would not be surprised if Edmonton won the game. I would not be surprised if Ottawa won the game. But I will tell you this, the team that will win the game will have control of the ground game between William Powell and C.J. Dable. Advantage right now to William Powell. That's just the way I see it. Again, you could flip a coin either way. Uh, my pick is Ottawa. Final game of the week, BC and Calgary. And it looks like, at this point, the return of Travis Lulee to the BC Lions 
uh, starting offense uh, against Bowley by Mitchell and the staffs. I'll tell you what, this is Calgary at home. This should be uh, a pit that you can make with your eyes closed. Calgary didn't want to uh, avenge that basically being shut out for three quarters and a few plays against Montreal. For some reason, Bowley by Mitchell always has trouble against Montreal and Montreal particularly. Uh, I, I don't know. Just some, some quarterbacks just have a horrible history against certain teams. Uh, it's just one of those unexplainable things in sports. So that's kind of pretty interesting. Um, so anyway, I am picking uh, Calgary at home. Just, I don't know, that's where conventional Calgary never really loses at home. Uh, BC has a lot to overcome if they want to make the playoffs. And if they want to make the playoffs, a statement win against the Stampeders uh, would go a long way. And, I mean, privately, I mean, the Blue Bombers going into a bye next week and then hosting uh, Calgary on the 26th would be quite something. Just some quick news uh, to wrap up here quickly. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders have acquired national offensive lineman Philip Plate and national wide receiver Patrick Lavoie from Montreal West for national wide receiver Josh Stanford and their second-round pick in the 2020 CFL Draft. Other uh, trade that happened is the Ottawa Red Blacks have acquired uh, linebacker Chris Atty from Montreal Alouette in exchange for a second-round pick in 2019. The Hamilton Tiger Cats have signed defensive back uh, Terrell St. Field, and that will be... The St. Field recently got released from the o Oakland Raiders and will be moved, actually, I'm told, to the offensive side of the ball, wide receiver, and he will also do some kick returning uh, for them as well. Just some breaking news here on the way out as I'm recording. It sounds like out of re reports that uh, Martin Michelle and Eric, Eric Rogers could miss Calgary's game against BC, so the door opens for BC potentially if those two teams miss the playoffs. That is this week's Canadian Football Podcast, the Canadian Football Countdown Podcast, pardon me. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do so at CFC on MikeFM. You can follow our website, MikeFM1Pay.com slash the Canadian Football Countdown. Uh, the Canadian Football Countdown, all hyphenated in between the words. You can also find us on Facebook, at the Canadian Football Countdown. You can follow the Canadian Football Podcast Network on uh, online at cfpodnetwork.ca or cfpodnetwork on Twitter. On behalf of Ryan Koop, who is away from the show for the remainder of the season, but he says hi to our uh, listeners on the podcast. And on behalf of Ryan and Michael, this is Michael Dell saying thank you for listening. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you to recap next week go bombers and enjoy the game saturday enjoy the games friday and if you're in winnipeg the last bit of this ugly weather coming before we have a real nice week next week um everybody again this is michael dale saying thanks for listening this has been the Tampa football countdown